We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. This is Andrew Bolland and Norman Riley of the True Faith Podcast in their chat with former journalist Patrick Barkley about all things Newcastle United. There's been a lot of uh, online controversy surrounding Paddy in a couple of articles he wrote back in 2014 and 15 about on a Paju. I just have to say before the podcast start that Paddy made contact with us. He invited Andrew and Norman, who you're going to hear, into his home to talk about Newcastle United and is offered to come again on the podcast in the future. So we're just massively grateful to him for his time and his honesty and all of this. So I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, the lads really enjoyed recording it. We've had some great feedback so far when this was released early for patrons and I'll let the lads take it away. Uh, welcome to a special edition of the True Faith podcast. Me and Norman Riley of Exiles fame for the for the podcast are currently sat in Patrick Barclay's house in the beautiful area of London called Barnes. Um, I've been breathtaking by just being by the river. It's been uh, unbelievable. Uh, Patrick, thank you for joining oh, us. It's a pleasure. Uh, and, and what a day. What a day. Uh, I mean, where is, uh, I, I've got to tell you that the, the, the temperature is, what, 75, and 70, 75, and it's uh, 6.30, 6.30 in the evening. We're, we're doing this when we really should be in one of the Riverside parks. But anyway, that's enough <coughs> morning from me. Well, yes, me and Norman will be will be ah, in good, one of those good. pubs very, very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might join you. Excellent. So, um, as you may have had to explain to you, we've had a few questions from our listeners. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, yeah we've just, just a few, just a few. You're a popular yeah. man. Um, so, I'm going to kick us off. Uh, so, our, our listener and sometime... Uh, participant in the podcast, Richard Smith, would like to know uh, what are your thoughts on the old school British manager brigade being yeah. given jobs and millions of pounds to do to do the yeah. jobs badly? Um, yeah. there's, there's an accusation that the lack of analysis on performance due to personal or professional relationships by the football media contribute to this. Yeah. Having worked in the game both as a journalist and uh, with some of the managers in question, yeah. what's what's your view on well, this? Well, I don't understand. Uh, I, I wish the media um, had that kind of you know, I mean, I, I'm not a journalist, any a football writer anymore. I retired nearly two years ago, um, but you know, obviously, I'm now, you know, a full-time fan. I suppose of Dundee Football Club, but uh, and I love the game. I watch it all the time. I, I wish I didn't, but I do. Um, so, the one thing I don't understand, though, as as somebody who worked in journalism for forty years. Uh, football journalism. I don't understand how we're supposed to have any influence because that's a, the the worst thing about being a football writer is that you 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 feel as if you don't have any influence at all. Um, and I, I don't. I've I've never been asked by a football club director who I think their manager should be. Uh, now there may be journalists who would say different. All I'm saying is that I, you know, you know, I was in it for forty years and. I, I wish the buggers had asked me, you know, because it would have made so, so many blunders. Um, but to go back to the first part of the question, um, you know, this managerial merry-go-round thing, I, I've never known it as, as bad as it is now, where you have people, you know, you, you Alan Pardew turning up at, uh, at West Bromwich when people probably felt that he'd, you know, it, it, uh, sort of no right to a Premier League job anymore. Sam Allardyce, who was, you know, about as welcome as a virus at, at Goodison. Uh, you've got, uh, um, uh, well, uh, 
you know, there, there are... The, it's, it's, Hugh, Mark uh, Hughes, yeah. I mean, you Ma know. Well, Mark, Mark Hughes is another great example of that. You, you'd have thought Mark Hughes had, had his time. Uh, and there's a, there's another ex, um, there's another one that, I, that I've I think forgotten. Paul Lambert making a comeback well, in the I, Premier League. If, even if you go outside the Premier League, you know, a, a team with potential like Middlesbrough, uh, Tony Poulos, Paul Lambert. You see, Paul Lambert. But with all of them, if you analyse their records, uh, you know, uh, all of them have done well at more than one club. Um, they. And you, you also say, well, at least they understand the Premier League. They know the way around. You, you can bring in, uh, you know, some guy from elsewhere. He, there's not a lot of uh, Jose Mourinho's, you know, who are hiding away at um, uh, that club that he was at before he joined Porto. You know, there are not a lot of uh, hidden gems who can come in and have the force of personality to take over at, uh, at at a massive, massive club, which all Premier League clubs are. They're all huge on the international stage. The poorest club in the Premier League is probably would probably be the fourth biggest club in Spain. So these are huge clubs, and you, you, you I suppose that the directors feel you know it's time not to not to take any chances. But it, I can understand what you mean. If 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 I was uh, my, if I was a fan of, of, of I don't know, and uh, Bournemouth and, and, and Eddie Howe left, well, A, I'd be devastated. B, I'd be doubly devastated if I found the next manager was going to be Tony Poulos. Yes, I would, because I know what I'm going to get from him. I'm probably not going to be relegated, but I'm probably not going to be playing as open and expansive football as Eddie Howe plays. And personally, I love I love Bournemouth. I'm, I, I love watching them because... Uh, of the football they play, but how many Eddie Howes are there, you know? So uh, it's it's difficult to, to know. All I can say is I understand why they do it, um, but why chairman do it, you know? But it, it is frustrating for fans, and I would be, I would feel the same way too. Uh, I mean, you'd be, um, speaking from a fan's perspective, yeah. if, and you alluded to the fact that, you know, most of those managers as you mentioned had they had success maybe at more and more club, but I suppose on a time scale, you look at someone like Lambert, for example, mm. did well at Colchester, yes. did, well at, uh, did well at Norwich. Yeah. After that, he was he didn't he did nothing. He struggled at Villa. Don't get me wrong. He went to Villa. He went to Villa, and Villa were, you know, Villa were, were, were falling down at the time, but he still did a pretty poor job there. And then after that, he had a bad time at Blackburn, again, working for Venkies. Yeah. Bad time at Wolves. And I suppose as a Stoke fan, mm. I would have looked at that appointment and it would have just been so... Utterly uninspiring, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, um, I suppose again, as a football fan, you know, you look at the appointment Southampton and Mark Hughes coming in after they had like Kuhn and Pochettino, you know, even mm. Puel to a certain extent did a good job with hindsight. Um, yeah. And you just, I, I just, I suppose I struggle to understand um, how these people who I, they might, they might have done well a few years ago, mm. but they're still getting, getting the work. And I suppose. From a fan's perspective, again, you're looking at it as if to say, well, they get quite an easy ride from the media. We, I suppose, we we as football fans might feel that. You know, in the media, you've got ex players who've, who've yeah. played alongside them or worked for them yeah. or played for them, yeah. and they don't get that kind of yeah. that harsh rain. And that kind of ties into to this yeah. this next question. Yeah. Um, and it, it mentions London based journalists. Yeah, I mean, it could be a national thing, but let, let's just focus on London for now. So, we, we have Matt Law. I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Law's work at yeah, all. Um, so, we we beat West Ham before Christmas 3 2. We'd just been on a nine game, a nine game run when we hadn't won a game. Yeah. Brilliant performance. Absolutely yeah. brilliant atmosphere. I was there. It was great. Um, yeah. And then Law put a tweet out bemoaning um, Newcastle fans singing Rafa's name. Um, and what were the words? I mean, what was he saying? I mean, I, I, I can't understand why anybody would criticise fans for chanting their own manager. Well, his, his, his issue was is that uh, he, he put some along with his Newcastle fans singing Rafa's name, like he hasn't gone like from nine games, nine games without a win. And I suppose to a certain extent, you've what the what a Newcastle fan might think is is right. It's, it's, so we didn't, we didn't, you know, we had, we had, we weren't happy with Pardew, weren't happy yeah. with McLaren. Yeah. Um, and we're happy with Benitez, but you got you got a journalist coming up and saying, "Well, why why are you chanting his name? He's just got nine he's just got nine games that win." I suppose from our perspective, it's a case of, "Well, mm. yeah, but what we've seen with Rafa is different to what we saw yeah. with these other managers." I don't, I don't know what. Yeah, but I completely agree with you there. I think that the marriage of 
Benitez in Newcastle has been fantastic. When you get uh, the crowd and, and a manager uh, playing together, if you see what I mean, mm -hmm. if you've got unquestioned support for a manager, a perfect example of this season, even better than Benitez in Newcastle, which has been very impressive, I have to, have to say, would be Klopp and the Liverpool crowd. You wouldn't know Liverpool had a board, would you? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know Liverpool had a bloody board because the crowd and the manager are together like they were when Shankly. I can remember when Shankly, the cop and Shankly seemed to run the club. You didn't even know who was on the board. You knew who the players were, obviously. And that is... So Newcastle, I've, I've, I've hit on something very... And, and, and Ashley's the luckiest man on earth mm -hmm. because Newcastle have hit on something very, very special. So I, don't, I didn't see what Matt Law wrote and he, he may well, for all I know, he might have... I, I, it's difficult to tell without seeing the context in which he wrote it. But to me, uh, the, the, the bond, the loyalty that Newcastle fans have, have shown to Benitez is, uh, is a huge asset for the players. The players, when the, when the crowd and the manager are together, the players have nowhere to hide. That's, and that's key to the success of a football club. I've always, I've seen that all over the country, all, in fact, all over Europe, I've seen that. And it's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that'll maybe take you on another question. Yeah, well, I'll quickly give it to... Maybe I've half answered it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll quickly touch on what you just said there, that Mike Ashley being lucky. I think on, yeah. in one respect, he's, he's so lucky because yeah. never in a million years, I remember, I remember being at work when the news came through that Benitez was even thinking about coming to Newcastle. Yeah. And um, you thought, yeah, pull the other one. It's still yeah. surreal now, man. It's still yeah. surreal now, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, but on the other hand... Well, it's been a great, great job for him as well. Yeah. Your, and, yeah. and, and, and that's the fans who deserve the credit for that, not Ashley. But anyway, sorry, yeah. I'm interrupting you. On the other hand, I think it's it's woken something up in Newcastle fans that's been slightly, I think, mm. maybe given them confidence. seven or eight years into the Ashley reign, I think there was a bit of apathy starting to creep in. I think, I mean, mm. the, the attendances have always held up pretty well, but mm. people were starting to become resigned to the fact that, you know, Ashley was here for the long haul. I think the McLaren... One is a bit similar to what you said about Paul Lambert, I think, it just left a lot of people deflated. I remember that summer we were talking about maybe getting Patrick Vieira, and I know he's got no previous experience, but that was quite an exciting prospect mm -hmm. at the time as a young manager who's earning his stripes at Man City. Um, just as exciting as John Barnes going to Celtic. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 Let's not go into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the point I was getting to was um, is that... Um, the Raf Benitez has made Newcastle fans believe again. They yeah. believe that there's so much more than just finishing. If we're lucky, possibly tenth. I mean, Padjo had that unbelievable season and wasn't backed. But mm -hmm. I mean, the aim has been to stay in the Premier League and don't win a trophy. Basically, up until yeah. that point, and I think yeah. Newcastle fans expect more now. So, if say for example in the summer it gets to the point where Mike Ashley doesn't give Rafa Benitez money again mm. um, and doesn't support him the way he has to, I think the revolt now is going to be 10 times bigger because Newcastle fans have remembered we can be a big club. I think it should be because Newcastle United for me as, as a now I need to establish credentials here because I can you know people say I'm sorry you just keep your big nose out of Newcastle you've got nothing to do with Newcastle well I'm sorry but that's not true I as a as a as a football fan uh, what you'll find and, and a lot of people, probably Newcastle fans, probably don't believe this. The, uh, for a neutral like me, for a person who has the whole world to choose from, obviously Barcelona's my favourite second club, of course it is, but um, when they play football like they did. But among the others that people naturally veer towards is Newcastle United. Now, you don't know this. You don't know this. No, Newcastle fans don't know it. Because another tendency of football fans is that they never see... I, in 40 years of writing about football, I wrote millions of times about Newcastle, uh, fans deserving better. Because don't forget, I would go back longer... When were you born? 1990. 1990. Yeah. I was 77, yeah. <laughs> right. So I go back to before you were born and before you were out in Appies. I go back to St. James's Park and 
the reason that I talk proprietorial about it as if I was, now clearly I'm not a Newcastle fan, but the reason that I have a little bit of emotional investment in Newcastle United Football Club is that when I went there, it was Gordon Lee was the manager. And was he and it's widely, widely derided by Newcastle fans, wasn't he? Ah, it was a beautiful team. Uh, Tommy Cassidy, Tommy Craig, Stuart Barraclough, uh, Aidan McCaffrey and, uh, and my favourite player, Irving Nathan. I think he saw that he not sell McDonald's like Gordon Lee, though. I'm, I'm imagining that. Yeah, he did, uh, because, uh, but he improved the team. Then he went to Everton, didn't he? He improved that? the team uh, by, uh, yeah, he got the Everton job, which was a big job in those days. Uh -huh. He was part of the so-called top five. He got the Everton job on the strength of what he did. What he did was he sold McDonald and he formed a partnership of Gowling and uh, Cannell or Gowling and um, somebody else. But they scored for not more goals than they had with McDonald. And um, that, for me, it was a very good team. I mean, Tommy Cassidy was the slowest player I've ever seen, but could pass like an angel. Uh, but my favourite player was Irving Natras, who could play right back or he could play centre back if, if he had to. He, he was a Rolls Royce of a defender, wonderful defender. So I fell in love a little bit with that team because the assistant manager, Gordon Lee's assistant, was a mate of mine, oh. Richard Dennis, who later became manager, albeit for a short time. And it wasn't he wasn't cut out to be a manager. He was uh, he was too nice a guy really. Um, but. Uh, because he'd done so well as a coach uh, with that team. Now, because Richard was a mate of mine, I became, you know, even more, you know, I'd, I'd look out for Newcastle's uh. results even at half-time. And I could get into the habit. Also because of the crowd. You know, again, you may, you'll not bloody believe this, but I'll tell you because I know and you don't. Uh, for 40 years, when, when journalists get round and they're having a drink in some foreign capital and we're talking about what clubs to... Ah, it's Newcastle, isn't it fantastic? When you get off the train and you walk into the city and bang, the football hits you. Wall-to-wall -wall football hits you. you the, the guys in the strips and talking about football, the girls talking about football, everybody talking about football. You walk through the alleyways out of the station and up, zigzagging uh, to the town, and you look, you go into the, you see in the pubs the, the fans watching a pirated game because they, they can't get a ticket for the game, so they're watching a pirated thing in a pub. I can remember that, and all of us remember that. We, we so respect that, you know, the, the fervour for football in, uh, in Newcastle. It's not unique, but, it, but it, it's pretty unusual to find a one a one-team city like that, yes, you're not, you're not going to like this, but Sunderland's pretty good too. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of us that have a real love. And all through my, I better not use that word, but uh, on a family podcast, but all through my fucking career, I have been writing good things, nice things, not because I'm, licking the backsides, the Newcastle fans, but because I like them. I like the club, I like the town and its love for football. And I can remember saying over and over again that the Premier League's uh, strength all over the world, strongest league in the world, definitely, is because of the entertainment, maybe not the best, but the strongest and most uh, powerful muscular financially. Why? I don't think there's a single club that's contributed more to the Premier League's reputation for entertainment than Newcastle United because of the Keegan years. No. And all through the Keegan years, Jesus, the praise I heaped on Newcastle. So 40 years of bloody praise, <laughs> it doesn't matter, they'll lap it up, never say thank you. But as soon as I say one thing critical, one thing critical, suddenly you're here three and a half years after I wrote that column about bloody Pardew. Uh, that, that, that would be the next question. Yeah, I, I wish. Just, just, just told me, we don't even need to ask the question. I the wish, question was, I wish I'd never say, heard that bugger's name. No, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only... Just, just tell us why you thought Newcastle fans I think the I'll question was it was it, it was you were writing for the Evening Standard at the time. I, I think was, a, yeah. a bugbear with a, with quite I a few was. people is and, and, why would a London, a London, a London, a London based newspaper a column 
produce an article. Now that's another thing. That's another thing. I write about Newcastle, <coughs> and it's get your bloody London nose. Uh, uh, London, me. You know, I live in London. Yeah, but I'm I'm from Dundee, and I support Dundee. So I support a team. To 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 us in Dundee, Newcastle is the soft south. So. You know, I, I'm not having all this sudden bloody this and sudden bloody that. Um, I wrote, if, if I never wrote a piece, a word about Newcastle, people would say, typical London journalist, not interested in Newcastle. Well, I am interested in Newcastle. And when I see, as I did three and a half years ago, when I see, just as I, I, I think Newcastle is, is wonderful, Newcastle United is wonderful in so many ways, when I see the supporters who I've praised in particular, when you talk about what's great about Newcastle United, number one would be the supporters. Of course it would. And we all, I've written that, but that's, I don't claim any, uh, what you call it, uh, originality. Loads of southern softy reporters like me have written that. And, uh, but when, I, when, when you praise them, you praise their, the supporters. But when I saw the Pardew Out campaign, I didn't like it. I didn't like that because what it does, and you remember I was talking earlier about when the fans fall out with the manager, when the fans are not happy with the manager, the players have an excuse. Now, the results at Newcastle, given that, given that the, the players' bus was arriving at the away matches, and I particularly remember a Stoke match where the whole away support seemed to be holding up Pardew out banners. And the when the players arrive at a ground and, the, and they see everybody holding up Pardew out banners, are they going to listen to his team talk? Is that going to help Newcastle United Football Club get a result? No, it's not. It's bad supporting, in my opinion. Now, you can say, as you will, and I'll forestall you, you can say, no, no, three and a half years later, look at us now. Well, what position are you in the league right now? Tenth. Tenth. And what position were you when Alan Pardew left you? Ten. Because he couldn't start exactly. Oh. So you're, you're, you're exactly where you were where, when Alan Pardew left you. And I'm not, I'm not, listen, and I'll tell you another, I, I'll, I'll give you another question. You, you say, is Pardew your mate or something? Why did you support Pardew? I'd never met Pardew in my life. The only thing I knew about Pardew when I wrote that column three and a half years ago, the only things I knew about Pardew I didn't like. Nudging the linesman, a couple of other things he'd done, which I thought, which I'd slagged off, by the way. Nobody ever bloody remembers that, uh, which I'd slagged off. And another thing, which was a personal thing that he did on a social occasion when I didn't meet him, but it, he did something, I mean, it's, it's nothing terrible, you know, but I just thought, boy, uh, I think what, what, I, what I, a I, uh, and Now, so that is all I thought. That the only things I knew about Pardew, who I'd never met in my life, were negative. I wrote that because I didn't think it was helping Newcastle United to get results. I thought that for Pardew to get Newcastle, and they weren't 10th in the league when I wrote that column, they were a bit lower, because they then went on a great run and he won manager, more, I don't know if he won manager, but he was doing brilliantly. Absolutely, they beat Chelsea, only team to beat Chelsea that season in the league. Beat Chelsea. Bloody hell, what more do you want? The only team to beat Chelsea. You must have been, were you, were you booing that? You're going to have to let me talk here, yeah. buddy. You're going to have to let me count on this because I know what you're doing, yeah. Okay. Right. Now, okay. I'll see you a bit in the young yeah, one. Yeah, go for it. Pardew had us intent when he left. There's no two ways about it, you know, there's the yeah. fact. So, the, issue we, the issues we have with Pardew were, you had he, he was an absolute apologist for the Ashley regime, and yeah. he and, and the, he, he was sycophantic towards Ashley. That's true. Um, he, li he he lied. I mean, they're on they're on record. There are lies there. He took us through record runs of defeats, record runs of not scoring. The football was turgid. He was tactically inept. Um, and don't get me wrong, we were tenth. But to compare a Rafa Benitez and Newcastle United now in tenth with that Pardews. Yeah, that Pardew team intent. It's so it, it's so Look. different. We've got a manager who who doesn't he doesn't talk shit. He gives everything for the for the club. Mm. The fans love his openness and his honesty. He's so he's such a good manager, and he just he, uh, you, you right. alluded to it before. Okay. He, he ties into the mindset of the city. Yeah, whereas right. Pardew and and you've you've 
you reading yourself said you've got a negative opinion. He, he does come across as a bit of a you know a bit of a used car salesman. There's no yeah, two ways yeah. about it. You know he's a in in the no Newcastle fans had no belief because he was more or less a, a puppet for a regime that had has done so I much damage over the years. Yeah. And understand. I'm probably. I'm probably veering at the side of getting like rather apoplectic about Paul so I let Andrew go on because he can maybe articulate himself slightly better than I can. <laughs> I think I understand every word of it. Pa- Pardew was on sort of hiding to nothing with us from the very start. Yes. Do you think Chris, 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 Hutton. Chris Hutton was an absolute was loved, hero and um, uh, loved by nobody more than me, I can promise you. Yeah. To this day he still comes back and gets the Gallagher singing his name, which is like yeah, unheard of really yeah. for an opposition yeah. manager. And he's a southerner as well, by and the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A southerner. Those yeah. pesky cockneys. A, a, a fake Irishman. Yeah. 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 Um, so he was on sort of hiding nothing, and I think yeah. that season where we finished fifth, I think some Newcastle fans did take to him for a while, mm. but there was just <coughs> incidents of just nonsense that yeah. would come out of his mouth, and yeah. I think right. Newcastle fans. Uh, Bobby Robson's a long time ago, but that kind yeah. of gentleman running the club. I mean, Glenn Rhoda had a little bit of it, but. They booed, they booed Bobby yeah. Robson, you know. Yeah. When he, when he, uh, that was when he dropped Keegan for England. That's correct. that's a that's correct. a different era, and it's not uh, it's it's not connected to how yeah. we talked to him as a manager. By the way, um, we just and I think the record, yeah, the, the, when when he was a manager, he was uh, walked on water. The, the, <coughs> the, 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 the like the Alan Pardew incident with Pellegrino, uh, Pellegrino, Pellegrini, mm. Pellegrini, sorry, Pellegrino, mm. he's, he's not nothing to you as when far as When you call him old cunt, are you referring to? <laughs> we shouldn't use that word on so the I podcast. <laughs> um, and, you know, and the, the incident at Hull with uh, David Myler, I mean, things like that just instantly for me was just like, well, apart, Quite apart from the linesman thing. So I think, uh, no, totally, I, I've got no axe to grind for, for Alan Pardew. What I was concerned about and, and to go back, Norman, to what you say. Now, had the fans been holding up signs saying, Pardew out Benitez in, I wouldn't have written that article. I would have thought, that's brilliant. That's, that's terrific. That is... But you know, and I know, that you were holding, in effect, those people who were holding up those cards, were holding up cards which may as well have said, Pardew out Carver in. Now, Carver is not a football manager. He's a very good coach, but he's not a football manager. He is a good coach. Bobby Robson thought so. Uh, everybody everybody acknowledges that. You may not think so, but he's, he's all right. He's a respectable coach. He's respected by a lot of people. He was a hopeless manager, but not as bad as the guy you then replaced him with, Steve McLaren, who's also a coach, not a manager. Now... You were, in effect, if you were holding up a Pardew out thing, you were, ha- you were holding up, in effect, a card saying, Pardew out, uh, two uh, duffers in, and uh, relegation, please. You weren't saying, you, there wasn't a single person holding up, and you, be, be honest about it, there wasn't a single person there holding up a banner thinking, if we can just get rid of Pardew, we'll get somebody as good as Rafa Benitez in. No, Even but, but you I can't count, pretend. I will, I will count on that, you Paddy. You can't pretend. Listen, you can say, Paddy, huh. you've made a fool of yourself because now we are tenth, no, no. now we are tenth in the league, pointing upwards. When you wrote that article, we were tenth in the league, pointing downwards, and that's all the difference in the world. And if you were to say to me, Paddy, is that true? Will you finally admit that? Yes, right. I but I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't going to suggest yeah, yeah. that you say that. I tell you what, I was going to say was if you, how many clubs want a manager out and have a suggested replacement up on a, on a, on a you know straight well, right, well, right, right. So you can't so, take a chance with your club. Nah, you can't. You can't take a chance with your right. club saying we don't give us stuff if we go into the second division because you might have gone in the third division because that's what happened. It's going to happen to Sunderland this year. That's what happened to Leicester. They came back pretty well, I think. Uh, Southampton so it's a very dangerous game that you played thank God it's all come right but but uh, but any 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 club any any club and any set of fans who are disillusioned with the management have got to got to be able to express themselves which is what yes, we did we, and, and, we, and to a certain extent you know we have been but vindicated given Pardew subsequent one. record the other thing as well is that um, does it not indicate how utterly Loathed Pardew was on Tyneside, given that we, you know, we, I say we, you know, I'm, I'm, not, a re- I'm not representing the whole fan yeah, base here, I'm talking, yeah. this is a personal opinion. I remember getting the stage, and I, I never held a placard up saying Pardew out, um, but at, t- at the same time, I'm not going to lie, of course I didn't want to be the manager of the club. Mm. Does it not kind of, is it not indicative of how 
of how universally loathed and disrespected he was on Tainty that we were actually prepared to take the risk of somebody yes. like John Carver yes. taking over. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And, and and I, I agree with that. And look, there is no question that you are in a better... The Newcastle United Football Club is in an infinitely better place now, although the league position hasn't changed much, infinitely better place now than when... The, the fans were expressing disgruntlement with Pardew. Of course that's true. I just felt at the time, uh, and, and you may say that, that circumstances have proved me wrong, I, I wouldn't mind that. But Jesus Christ, if that was the worst mistake, writing that piece had been the worst mistake I'd made in, 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 my, football, in my football writing career. You try it, by the way, you too. You too bloody try writing uh, a column every day for 40 years or, or whatever it is, and see how many. See if you have a perfect one hundred percent record at the end. Did you? So did I, you sanction the headline? The um, you asked the fans to apologise. Did you sanction that? No, was that the end no, of that? no. Listen, that's another thing. That's another thing. I'm glad you asked about that because, and every journalist will tell you this, that with headlines, and I don't want to criticise some editors because they have a hard job, but with headlines that either undercook the piece or overcook it. This was an instance, and there often were at the Evening Standard, where they would, I would roll my eyes at the headline and I would think, oh, I never said that. Yeah. I never quite said that. Because the headline said something about Newcastle fans should now apologise to Alan Pardew. Well, I, I hinted at that, but as a device, as a writing device. What I was saying was, I never, they all say, Paddy Bartley called Newcastle fans fools. Now, I t what I said was, there are times when people make fools of themselves. Now, I make a fool of myself. You could say, uh, right now, when Newcastle uh, going definitely on the way up under a great manager, that I've made a fool of myself there. And, and, and if you said that, I would argue against it, but I wouldn't be crying for three and a half years about it. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's it, it, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just one of those things. I don't, uh, I don't regret writing that column, because, or even though it, it, it doesn't, doesn't sort of, hasn't aged very well in the three and a half years, but I don't regret writing that column because I, I, I liked writing it at the time. And if I hadn't written that column, you boys wouldn't be here. And I've been really enjoying this. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't. And one thing I would like to, to say that the people who said, you know, uh, Christ, you, you must be dating Alan Pardew, you couldn't have been more wrong. I have met him since, once, once. Was he oh, trying to sell you a second hand car? Or uh, no, <laughs> no, but, no, but I will say that he didn't say thank you very much. I, I felt like saying to him, you know, I've taken, I've taken piles of pelters for you. Um, <laughs> you, could, you could at least say thank you, but uh, I didn't expect When that. you're the king, you can do anything. Was, yeah, right. was that, that Pardew's lane? When uh, you're the king, you can do anything? Yeah. There you go. I'll tell you what, he's, uh, he's definitely not lacking in self-confidence, but I don't think he's that bad. Um, I don't think he's a bad manager. I think he's a decent manager, but he, and I think that now, I mean, obviously, support, you, you can't demand support. You can't demand that supporters like you. <laughs> And Newcastle fans didn't didn't like him one little bit, but uh, and even the ones who do, who would never have held up a Pardew out banner. Also, I thought uh, you you know didn't like him, didn't find him a sympathetic character. Um, so you you can't you can't deny people's right to do that. But what you can't do as as well is not. I mean, in my opinion, I just think it's a shame that people don't understand that. A journalist who's, and it, it, you know, it's almost as if you're confusing me with other people because a journalist who's, who's goes back a long way with Newcastle United, who still would love. In fact, I'm going to a game because some lads have invited me, so I'm going to a game as soon as I can. Uh, 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 probably, I'll probably be murdered. But I mean, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I think you'll be I don't know about the murder. Right. I mean, you know, but I assaulted they, maybe. I think, I think they might be holding up Barry Barkley out. <laughs> Uh, as long as that, as long as no, no I, I love going there, and I, I, it's been too long since. And and what yeah, that is what I object to. Uh, I, I re slightly resent, or it saddens me, that people don't realize that the people think that for some reason I'm toffee nosed or 
not respectful about Newcastle United and its fans. I, I, you know, that could not be more wrong. Why otherwise would I have written over and over again and said on Sky that, that the Premier League owes Newcastle for its wealth and its allure as much as any other club? Okay, you haven't won a trophy. I, I wrote all the time. I don't care if Keegan's team hasn't won a trophy. It's done something more important than that. It's entertained. And for me, for the, for the romance and, the, and the, the allure of football, Newcastle did as much in not winning a, a league for a few years, but entertaining people richly, as Leicester did by winning the league. Mm. That's how big Newcastle's achievement was under Keegan. For me, that's my personal opinion. Now, um, I don't mind people laughing at me for that and saying, ah, yeah, but where's the trophy? Where's the trophy? I, that's my opinion as well. But that's a pro-Newcastle opinion. The only other time I ever got into tr trouble with Newcastle fans was when I said, I can remember it, again in the London Evening Standard, why don't you buy the club? It was basically, what did Ashley pay for the club? It was... Well, he didn't conduct due diligence, did he? So yeah. he paid. Um, he got away with paying like a couple hundred million for us. Yeah, yeah, it was less. Was it was one hundred and fifty million. Really? Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway, I suggested. I said, uh, you know, Newcastle. I've got the, the always very proud of the fact that they have a huge fan base. You know, take out a mortgage. You know, take get a grant or put a grand in or something like that. Buy it. I, I, you know, I worked out the sums on the back of a fag packet. It was just a three hundred word column. You know. But I just felt, you know, of all the places, you know, you'll, you'll both be aware of the bond between Newcastle United and Athletic Bilbao. Mm -hmm. Now, Athletic Bilbao, 53,000 capacity stadium, same as yours, uh, more or less. Uh, probably more empty seats at their place. Depends than, on who they're playing, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, very similar seaport stripes, uh, even better tradition than Newcastle in, in one sense, in that they've got total ethnic purity, you know, only boys from the Basque, Basque region, greater Basque region, yeah. you know, uh, can play. Uh, but a, a, a hugely uh, successful, I've, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Oh yeah, but they are owned by the fans. Now, for me, I can't think of a club in the whole, a top club, I'm not talking about Portsmouth, who are a could be fan a top club. club. <laughs> but they were a fan-owned club until a few months ago mm. uh, with 20,000 gates, but I can't think of a 50,000 gate club that was more appropriate to fan ownership. So I wrote that piece, and I got a few people saying, get your nose out of our business, uh, which was, you know, was fair enough uh, in, that, in that case. But if you had, if the fans had done it, they'd be sitting on 100% profit, nearly, which they could either take put it in their pockets, because a lot of people said, how can we afford a thousand pounds? Are you on another planet? You can afford a thousand pounds. I said, well, you pay a thousand for your season ticket. You just don't, I'm just asking you to double it. And you own the club. Well, they, they could have taken 150 million, or 100 million profit now, uh, or given uh, the manager 100 million to buy on a couple of new players. So. I didn't think that was that stupid an idea. It was a bit outlandish, and I don't blame people because I I wasn't putting money in my pocket. I was asking them to put to take money out of their pockets. But that I got into trouble. But it was only because I love you. I, I want Newcastle to have not to be dependent on which sugar daddy it is. You know, I don't want Newcastle United in an ideal world, and I'm not doing anything I wouldn't do for my own club. I voted for fan ownership at Dundee FC. All right, tiny club, you know, you could laugh at us, but we're, you know, to me, it's the club I love. And so I voted for that at our club, and I, I, I'm a member of the society. So there's nothing I don't believe in for, for myself, but I was prescribing it for Newcastle. That was only through affection for the club and a desire to see it, um, to see the fans have the place in the club that. Uh, in my opinion, they deserve. I mean, they pay the money. Why can't, why can't they have the ownership? So that was all that was. So there's, there's nothing really that. Do you not think I, when, when, when you beat Chelsea one 0 when you scored that goal, Tiote goal, 
Arsenal. Do you not think? Do you not think I was punching the air? Do you not think, as a neutral, I was punching the air when those moments happened, and I could mention millions of others? Do you, Do you not think I was hoping that you'd beat Liverpool in those four threes because there was still a feeling that Newcastle were the underdogs in that, even though actually the teams were well matched, but but. There was, because Newcastle haven't won a trophy. Do you not think I was supporting? And, uh, and do you not think I'm not unusual for that? I, I just think people should know that. People yeah. should know what we actually are rather than think that people like me are some kind of ivory tower, professorial, pompous <laughs> bastards sitting in a house by a river not knowing anything about football, not knowing anything about the heart and the soul of football. So, yeah, I mean, there we are. I think... Probably social media doesn't help in that respect no, because it just opens it up the whole. Um... But you see, you see, if if there's you two, you two lads are here in my house and it's brilliant because we can talk like we could down the pub. But that's that's much nicer for me than people because you, you, you get and it's not just the people. People talk about keyboard warriors and yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. They're, they're brave, you know, the way you are when you're in the car, you're making wanker signs of people. You don't really want to fight them, you know. Yeah. But, but, so there is an element of that. But it also works the other way around. The people who are on the other end sometimes take it too seriously. Like somebody says, you know, you know, something like, Paddy, you, 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 you've done something, you've you, you balls up this time. And instead of realising that the guy's just digging you in the ribs and saying, I think you're balls up this time, you say, no, I haven't, no, I haven't. Newcastle were 10th in the league. Pardew's decent manager, blah, blah, blah. So it can work both ways. But if you're, t if you're talking like this, that's all right. We can, yeah. we can argue. We can disagree. Um, but if, if you buy me a pint, I'll say anything. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah. Go on, you, you, you've got another... Yeah, well, I'm sorry, uh, I'm question. talking too much. No, no, no you're no, not no. talking too much at all, it's great. No, this is excellent. So I think we've got... Um, so we've got, do you think there's a responsibility in the media to call out fellow journalists when they're disparaging a whole set of people by spouting what um, amount to ultimately subjective... Yeah, that kind of goes over... Yeah, well, can I add right? to that? I'll add to that. Yeah, I, right. I, I think yeah. there, there have been... There is... There is and again, you know what? Like I'm a Newcastle fan, obviously. Yeah. I'm already defensive about my club, like like we all are, like anyone yeah, of our yeah. football club is. I am. But there is a, there is this kind of um, this, uh, and I think it's I think it's a media engendered myth of Newcastle fans. Um, we don't like cockneys. That's horse shit. I mean, you know, Robert Lee, Les Ferdinand, Chris Hughton, Dana. Let, let's just yeah, yeah. let's just put that one to bed. That, in my opinion. Yeah, right. um, we want a Geordie manager. Matthew Sayed yeah. from the Times, I think, in oh, 2008 wrote an article. Right, hey, his article. Right, the, the one Shearer's manager, the one um, Shepherd as chairman, the yeah, one. Um, I read that. It was all Jordy, and you just. It's, I mean, do, do you? I suppose it ties in that question. It, this, these kind of, these myths are created. Do, do you not think that that they're, they're wholly irresponsible? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I, I've never. Uh, I, the only the only thing I would uh, say in the past, not now. Uh, but in the past, I, I probably criticised uh, Newcastle fans. I, did, I, didn't, I wouldn't say criticised, but I observed that they were a little bit um, star-oriented, star-struck, and that, you know, the, the McDonald thing was a case in point. I, now, if, I, if a player as good as McDonald had been sold from my club, I'd have been... Furious. I'd, I'd have lost sleep. I'd have been crying, you know. But... Uh, but the plain fact is that the Newcastle United results did not collapse. In fact, they, they slightly improved. Um, so, and I think that the, for a long time, there was a feeling that Newcastle uh, fans were, were, you know, they liked a, a, a good number nine, you know, like a Milburn or something, or much, much later, other ones. And that they needed a player to believe in, and that there was there were maybe a bit too easily satisfied from that point of view. And I might have I might have voiced that, but uh, the piece that you are quoting to me sounds to me like a bit more like a knockabout comedy act because, and 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 I wouldn't have written that. No, yeah. no, I would not have written that because I don't buy into the, the cliches about it. Uh, about Newcastle United because frankly I've seen 
you know, right back 40, 50 years, 40, 40 years ago, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking about that, that uh, Lee Dennis team that uh, the, the football was just brilliant and it was very modern football, you know, it was very, um, very tactical. I mean, uh, Gordon Lee was not a tactically, particularly astute manager, but Dennis was a brilliant coach, you know. And they, they were great to watch. So, you know, I don't take... Uh, I watch Newcastle now uh, uh, under under Benitez. They're very... Probably too tactically oh, aware. No. Wait, wait, you say that this is, the, this is another myth that will shatter. Right. This, this whole... You don't want to attack, attack No, no, but it's, it's, like, it's like, another myth. Is it not, Andrew? You, you know, feel free to describe yeah, yeah. this, this, this kind of... Again, this... Media and gender and myth of Newcastle fans, we'd rather you know lose four three than win one nil. I mean that's absolute horseshit. Yeah. Um, we, I don't know any Newcastle fans, and again you know I, I don't know I don't profess to know fifty two thousand fans. Yeah. I know a handful of mates. We, under Benitez, what's appreciated I think I think by especially people in, in my my kind of support my my network of supporters is that we've got a manager who is highly intelligent and plays tactical football and utilises the resources he's got the best the best way that he can yeah. and it's beautiful to watch yeah. the 1-0 victory against Man United at home with the kind of possession they let them have all the possession the Arsenal game on Sunday we had 27% of the ball it was a beautiful experience to watch it I don't know what, what you think about that Andrew but this mm. again it ties in that myth of we want attacking football yeah, all the time but that's sorry so yeah I think, <laughs> I think you, you, the point you make yes it's it's all right when we win, but you'll, you'll, you'll take it for a few years. You'll take it for a few years. That was a rude yeah. sign there. I'm calling, I'm calling you out, Norman. Yeah, you're making, you're making a rude sign as his co-presenter. That's terrible. But uh, he'll probably say it's justified. But uh, it was no, always waving him. They, I, I mean, it, 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 I can t totally understand that. And a lot of um, a lot of a lot of clubs supporters. You see, you're talking. Uh, about you're you're much younger than the, I'm going back all the way to, <coughs> for example, one cliche that I uh, trotted out while it was true and then dropped when it became a, a true cliche was that Newcastle fans would rather win the cup than the league. Now there was a time when that was true. There was a time when everybody I can just about remember a time when given a choice between the league and the cup, probably Man United fans even huh? would would have been not sure. So that was true for a bit, but then it became a cliche. So I like to think I'd, I dropped it, maybe a bit too late, but because I felt that during the Shearer time, I always, when, when the third round of the cup came round, even when Shearer was playing for Newcastle, I would look at, at Newcastle's draw in the cup and think, oh, they're not going to win the league, but it'd be great <clears> to see them at Wembley, although they played like drains when they did get there. Um, and poor, poor Gary Speed did uh, Keane, didn't he? Put Keane out of the game early on. The late lamented Gary Speed. Yeah. He uh, injured Keane in the early... 99 final, was yeah. that? That's yeah. right, I was there. Oh, God, yeah. that's what I thought about that. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a non-performance, wasn't it? But anyway, uh, but so, so that, was, that, was, that was probably a cliche that I, that I get. But you see, you, both of you are of the modern fan. And the, the modern fan who gets criticised quite a bit, but one thing that, that modern fans are now is much, much more tactically sophisticated. And, as you say, you're not bothered about 27% possession. If your 27% possession is put to better use than the opposition's 73? Yeah. 63, so, is it? 63. Well, 73? 73? 73? Yeah, right there. Make maths is shite. It's the same time I've done this. Yeah. <laughs> but um, mine is, apart from 10th... It's better than me. Uh, apart from 10th place is mid-table. <laughs> um, but the... the uh, yeah, that, that, that is different. And, and I think, I mean, I, I don't suppose you'd get people apart from... You know, there's bad journalism. There's like, you know... But I hope you wouldn't see that kind of stuff uh, now. People talking about Newcastle for want preferring to win, uh, lose three, four than. Yeah, I think. Well, I hope you wouldn't see that now. So that but is... uh, uh, I mean, people look upon. I, I look upon Newcastle now, as as a chance. Really, Newcastle United as a chance to really do something for a club that, in my opinion 
should be in the top six every year. Yeah. I really do believe that. And I've been saying that for since they were in the top six. Well, I mean, you were. It never. Ironically, it, that was underneath Pardew. It never. <laughs> no, no, you, you were actually in the top. But that was a fleeting, Once, fifth, yeah. a fleeting, a yeah. fleeting glimpse. Because what happened there was the same as uh, was the same as uh, has happened to a lot of clubs. That when you play the same, you get no injuries and you've got no distractions. You play the same team every week. Absolutely. You finish fifth. Yeah. You then have Thursday, Sunday. You can't cope with it. You're dropping players when they're fit. They don't like you for it. And you ended up 14th, 15th, something like that, in the next season when you were 16th, in... 16th, the next season. Yeah, it was only the second 16th. last game of the season where we well, avoided relegation. Let me just tell you something that I... That, uh, that, uh, that it's out of context, this. This is harking back to something we were saying before. And uh, But it's to do with Pardew. And it's to do with Benitez. When... Uh, Benitez at Chelsea was in the same situation as Pardew was at Newcastle. The fans hated him and they were never going to like him. And what Benitez did at Chelsea was phenomenal. Mm. Because every fan, pretty well, not every fan, but a large number of the fans wanted, and they would, they would talk, you know, I know them, because, you know, being a London-based softy Southern yeah. journalist, I know them. And they were telling me, we hope we lose today because we want that bastard out. Now, he goes to Newcastle and if he went down the street and farted, everyone said, it smells lovely today, doesn't it? So, you know, it, and I, I was just as critical as Chel of Chelsea fans then as I was, it may not have been printed in... in uh, in Newcastle, but uh, I was just as critical as Chelsea fans about Benitez then as I was once yeah. about New, um, Newcastle fans. So it's the same thing. If you drive a wedge between the players and the crowd, if there is a wedge between the players and the crowd, between the manager and the crowd, the players have an excuse. That's all I was saying. It's just Alex here, again from the True Faith Podcast. A quick message before we leave you with the final 15 minutes of the show. If you like these podcasts that we do, we do do about an extra 20 podcasts a month of bonus content for subscribers. It's £5 a month, £1.25 a week for four extra podcasts per week on all things Newcastle United and football. So if you like what we're here, please have a look at that. The link is on our social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at TF Weekly Pod, and also in the description of this podcast. Loads of people, hundreds have signed up so far and say they really enjoy it. And uh, you might, if you enjoy these podcasts, have a look at it. Uh, I'm going to leave you with Paddy talking about how much he enjoyed coming up to Newcastle when he started out in journalism. And also he has a good anecdote about the late, great Sir Bobby Robson. But I used to love, I was based in Manchester, but I used to love going up to uh, Newcastle. Not only because of the atmosphere. And I had this press box. No, uh, no nice view like it is now the press box you had to go up a spiral staircase to um to the press box which was right on the top of the stand it was i mean it was the highest point in the ground i mean we used to think that the directors were hoping that the wind would blow us to our deaths must be cold up the, uh, <laughs> yeah you know we'd, we'd blow the press box onto the running track and and we'd never and we wouldn't be a pain to the club in uh, ever again. But uh, no, it was it was it was lovely. But I I liked it as as much uh, as well as the team and the football and the atmosphere. And honestly, when I talked before about walking through the city centre to the ground, which now looks, I mean, I mean, it looked good then, but it looks phenomenal now because of that. The way it's you know a building it's it's the architecture is less important than sometimes than the way it sits on a on a slight incline and the the view of St James Park is something I'll, I'll never I've got lots of happy memories with it I remember Bobby Robson driving me I, I wanted actually to walk back down the town but he insisted on driving me up from an interview down to the station so I got my train wonderful man Robson oh, fantastic man always thinking of other people you know and uh, 
uh, yeah, so, but yeah, to go back to the first instance, it was, it was I, I can't honestly remember the game. All I could remember would, would be that Natras and Craig and, and Cassidy and all, and Gowling would have been playing Stuart Barraclough on the wing. And, uh, and that, uh, and that the, I liked the football. It was a little bit slow tempo for, for some of the fans, a little bit patient build up, but in those days, I hesitate to add the fans here would be of today would be fine with it because they're more pragmatic. But the uh, it was not so much that. But I used to get on great with the the, the lads, you know, the other uh, journalists, and the nightlife was phenomenal. We used to go. I can remember when the boats started. You know, the, the tuxedo, uh, the tuxedo, tuxedo, yeah. tuxedo Junction. It was first called, and then it became tuxedo. Princess and oh, all this, oh. and we used to go to a club called Grey's Club where we'd, and sometimes the players would come in, you know, because the, the, their idea of an energy drink was a few pints in, after the game, you know, in those days, yeah. and so the players would sometimes come in, but we didn't we didn't bother them, you know, I didn't because I've always been shy of players. Forty years, and I was always too shy. I was always tongue-tied talking to players. Yeah. I, I, how the hell I ever made. 40 years in the in the business, I'll never know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was idol I, I, I idolized players instead of treating them as workmates. You know the way a proper journalist would. Um, but anyway, that's that's by the way. But then, but yeah, the nightlife was was good. I, I couldn't really describe it um, uh, here because it <laughs> incriminated my fellow scribes. But yeah. Christ, we had some nights in Newcastle. So it was the whole package really. It was it was. The town that we that we that we loved so much, and um, and so that's it. And so I, I would have thought the last people I would ever fall out with was Newcastle fans, but uh, I hope it's all right now, and I hope they'll accept my abject apology. Well, for for dissing them. Yeah, well, I think me and Norman can ac accept your apology. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. Right. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, you can speak for all the other ones, and yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we definitely can't do and that. Then, and, then, and then, when I get to that game, uh, then uh, I can. Uh, I'll apologise personally and abjectly to everybody who buys me a Newcastle brand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, uh, now, what else? Do, uh, is there anything else we I've need got to do? A couple. Well, I've got a couple of questions. You yeah, just touched yeah, on Bobby sure. Robson there. Yeah, I guess yeah. in, in your time in journalism and covering yeah. Newcastle, I suppose Bobby is probably yeah. probably the the favourite yeah. that you've had out of them. Yeah, Have you got well, any good Bobby Robson stories? Only only nice ones, really. Um, I mean, of of interviewing him, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you one. When I've, I mentioned to you earlier that I was always a bit shy with players and managers because I idolised them. I wish I was them. I wished I was them, you know. So I, I suppose I was a bit shy. And uh, anyway, it was when I first started covering England, which is when when you get to becoming a what what they rather pretentiously call a number one, you know, a chief football correspondent, you get to cover England. I mean, I'm obviously a Scotland supporter, but. You know, so it was to me. It was demotion, but no, seriously, <laughs> I knew you get a, you got a bigger run at the England thing, and you got you got more trips. So, uh, which were always the best part of the job, and I found he was the England manager, and I found out that he was covering uh, one of England's opponents in a World Cup. I can't remember who it was. No, it was a friendly, and he was going to watch. Czechoslovakia, who were England's last opponents before they went to a particular World Cup. I can't remember which one. Was it Italia 90 when we played, when Steve Ball scored? Even and it was two. the game, the friendly against uh, Czechoslovakia uh, was the game when Gaza came in. That's right, I'm just Steve Ball scored. They won four, that's right, they won 4-2. Right. Gaza was man of the match and he was on the plane to the World Cup. So, uh, I, think, I think that was the game. But anyway, I found out that I was the only reporter going to watch Czechoslovakia before this friendly. Why I went to what? I don't know. But I was on a flight to Prague to watch their star player, who I can't remember who it was at the time. And uh, they said, uh, the FA told me, oh, oh Mr. Mr. Robson's going to that. So I saw him at a game just two or three days before the, before, before the flight. I said, uh, Bobby, I 
and he, he by then he knew my name because he'd I'd introduced myself when I was covering England. And he says, uh, he says, yeah, yeah. What is it, son? He's, I, I said, well, I'm I'm going to the game in Prague that you're going to, and I think I'm on the same flight coming back. He said, yeah, yeah, all right. And I knew he'd be in the business class and I'd be in the cheap seats. But it, I said, uh, I said, I was just wondering if after the game, um, on the flight back, I could uh, come up and see you. He says, yeah, yeah. And, and, and ask for your impressions of the Czech team for my article. He says, uh, he says, yeah, no problem, son. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I realised the conversation was over. I thought, well, I'll go now before I change my mind. So I scuttled off. And he says, Patrick! And I turned round and I was thinking, oh, it's James's mind. And he points to me. He says, don't be shy. Now, I still, that still sends shivers up my spine because all he was worried about, he'd sensed that I was a little bit overawed about him and he didn't want me to be frightened of approaching him on that plane coming back. He says, don't be shy. Come up to me on the plane. And I just thought, what a fantastic bloke, you know? How, so, how thoughtful is that? He didn't need to say anything. He called me back. But, you know, that's... I think if you spoke to any any journalist, you know, that it would probably be on their conscience, the stick they gave him when he was England manager. But they belt every England manager, you know, so that's it. Um, but uh, that that would be that would be my favourite memory of him, as well as the other one that I told you about when he insisted on getting his four by four out of the out of the car pound at Newcastle and driving me. I could probably have walked it quicker, you know. To my train, yeah. but he, he said, "Oh, if you're getting the 428, I'd better make sure you get there." You know, I yeah. mean, this is one of the most distinguished managers because by then, you know, he was, you know, he's he God and royalty, yeah. And, and and that was that was Bobby Robson. So to me, it's not all about the the this, the great feats that he achieved, not just in, in Newcastle, but you know, Holland, Barcelona, England, ultimately. Um, Ipswich, yeah. probably the greatest. Um, so it wasn't just that; it, it was that he was just such a fantastic bloke. And if you, I bet if you spoke to any journalist, yeah, they would say the same. Yeah, I think he yeah. was the only Newcastle manager. Or sort of thing. people talk about Shearer and Keegan with Newcastle fans, but you still hear Bobby Robson's name sang at Newcastle games. The other day, thing, so. the, yeah, the, and the other thing is that he uh, did a lot for. Uh, sort of awareness of 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 the Geordie, I don't know it was John Hall's rather corny phrase, but about the Geordie nation. But he he definitely, you know, increased awareness of 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 Geordiness. Yeah. You might you might say, um, uh, because he was uh, ultimately respected uh, not just in the northeast but equally anywhere. If you went to Suffolk or actually Manchester, yeah. you know they'd be. Saluting his uh, memory. Sunderland fans who even have a soft spot for Bobby. Yeah. So. Uh, do they? Yeah. I didn't know no. that. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that. But <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I've I, learned something today. I know a few of them. Um, yeah. I think that just about wraps it up. So I'm just going to say thank you on behalf of both of us. Yeah, thank no, you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Extremely thank you. Thank you. Because honestly, I've, 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 been, I've been wanting this for a long, long time. So thank you very, very much for travelling all the way from. Uh, no, Wondersham. 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 <laughs> oh, is it Wondersham? Yeah. From? yeah. But, um, uh, no, it, it's been great. So uh, thank you very much. It's been, it, it, and it's going to be really good to speak to, sort of a little more directly, to yeah. to my to can, my friends at, at, at the Gallagate end. Yes. Well, you have to remember to unblock us on Twitter after this. Oh yes. <laughs> um, we can all. What, be, so you can slide me off we again. Can, <laughs> we can we can all be friends again. Yes. And, um, I hope so. Yeah. You know, hopefully we'll have you on again in the future. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Cool. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.